Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. When I first began to think about doing this podcast, I thought that I would share sermons that I had given previously from the Bema. As it turns out, I've done that very rarely for a number of reasons, but this week I want to share with you a sermon that I gave on this week's Torah portion of Parshat Balak, the story of Balak, the king of Moab, who invites Bilam the magician to curse the people of Israel as they are about to cross into Moab on the way from Egypt to Canaan. I can't give you the exact date of this sermon, and I, and I really regret that because I wish for myself I knew that, I wish I could share it with you, but I know that it was given sometime in the early part of the first decade of, of, the, of the century, sometime around 2005 or 2006, sometime around that time maybe a little bit later. But certainly, I can tell from the font that the uh, PDF appears in my computer that it was at least 15 years ago. And I want to share it with you. And I want you to think about how it's clear that some of the issues that I brought up some 15 years ago are still evident today. Perhaps we have more examples than we might have had back 15 years ago. You can be the judge of that. And also how the issue that I address in this, the issue of anti-Semitism, was an issue for us 15 years ago. But to think about how the past years have, have intensified that issue and to ask yourself, what would, do you think I would have said the words exactly in the same way as I said them then? Or would different words have been appropriate? Think about it. I'm going to leave that part up to you. But I do think and I hope that you will find that the ideas I present are lasting and certainly apply today as much as they did 15 years ago, even if, again, we would have some more examples to cite and perhaps nuance the words a little bit differently. So here's a sermon I gave, Parsha Balak, sometime approximately 2006-2007. The Torah portion of Balak focuses on the attempts of the Moabite king to curse the people of Israel on the way through the desert during the Exodus. As they did with all of the Parshiot in the Torah, the rabbinic commentators used the story as a basis for teaching messages about important issues in our lives. Basing themselves on the story of Balak, the rabbis taught many lessons concerning the power of hatred and suspicion. I would like to share three of those messages with you today. I believe they are particularly meaningful in the light of the disturbing rise in anti-Semitic rhetoric, which has been evident in different areas of our country, college campuses in particular. However, they have a much more universal message. And we as Jews ought to be looking at these texts, not just as an answer to our detractors, but as a warning to refrain from such rhetoric against others. The first text concerns the rather strange introduction given to the character of Balak at the beginning of the portion. Balak is first identified as the son of Tsipor, not as a king. It is only after Balak mentions to the people around him his fears about the people of Israel that the Torah then says, Balak melech Moab Balak was king of Moab at this time. 
The 19th century Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik explained that Balak was not identified as the king of Moab at the beginning of the Parsha, simply because he was not the king at that time. At that time, he was just an ordinary person. Only after he began to speak ill about the people of Israel and bring to the attention of the people his feelings that they were threatened by the Israelites, then he was chosen king. How often it is that the ability of an individual to speak poorly about another people becomes criteria for leadership. How tragic it is when the entire base of one's power and popularity is his or her ability to demean others. Second text. One of the Hasidic commentaries wondered why Balak did not choose to have Bilam bless his own people rather than to curse Israel. After all, it would have achieved the same purpose. Commentary says this proves that his entire intention in the matter was not to raise himself and his people up, but rather to express hatred for the Israelites. It may be simplistic to say so, but I've always found it remarkable that the energy, the effort, the resources put into hating others could be put into raising oneself up. Too often the message of empowerment and self-respect so important for any people gets muddled by the accompanied hatred of others, a message which for some reason in certain times seems more palatable to the masses than the message of self-respect. And finally, one last commentary. One of the most enduring questions coming from this portion is why God or any of the Israelite people would have cared about the curse of a two-bit magician like Bilam. What difference would it make? Joseph Ibn Kaspi, the 14th century philosopher, said in fact the people would be harmed by such a curse. The people had been in Egypt. They had grown in a culture which believed in the power of curses. And the insecurity the people felt would definitely cause them to feel as if they in fact had been cursed, whether there was any effect to the curse or not. Bilam's curse would become for the people of Israel a self-fulfilling prophecy. They needed confidence that came from a blessing, even if from one who could not make such blessing reality. When any people hears the rhetoric of curse labeled against them, they need to take certain steps. First, they need to make a serious evaluation of how dangerous such rhetoric is. Then, they need to look inside themselves to make sure that their own house is clean, that they're not guilty of similar rhetoric against others. And then they must move on, with their heads held high, with self-respect and pride, to live their lives as they see fit, and not allow the curses of others to affect them. We live in a marvelous country. Anti-Semitism does concern me, but we must be reasonable about how great a threat this presents. After we've looked into our hearts and our lives and evaluated how we act towards others, then we should give this rhetoric exactly the attention it deserves and live our lives as we see fit. We should also continue to reach out in the hope that we will be understood and respected by others and seek to understand and respect others better so that we can all live up to our God-given potential. A sermon delivered 15, 16 years ago. Does it still apply today? Is it even more important today? Should the words, if given today, be nuanced differently? How is our situation as Jews in this nation? How is the situation in this nation 
changed over the intervening years. One of the marvelous things about the Torah itself is that the words are eternal, but need to be interpreted in every generation. When anybody gives a Devar Torah, the words aren't eternal, but they certainly are lasting. But sometimes they can be interpreted differently years later. Until next time, thank you.